nothing new to you. Life is a journey. In the Christian community, our life has been described as our walk with Jesus. And I believe the most famous walk with Jesus is the road to Emmaus. It holds so many lessons for us in our walk with Jesus, that I want to address that even though we are disciples, we can be so blind to the presence of Jesus. And that's what I'm here to talk about today, just three kinds of those blindness that we might experience. Well, behold, you know, the two, prof, uh, the two disciples who were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all of these things which had happened. And so it was why they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went up with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. They were restrained. In other words, they were blind to the presence of Jesus. He was right there with them. And they said he was, you know, it stated earlier that these two were disciples. It's not like they didn't know him, didn't recognize him, didn't know the things he'd done, but they were blind to his presence. Now, I, I'm not calling, uh, talking about my favorite type of blind. My favorite type of blind is junior high boy blind. You guys know what that is? Some of you might be living with it. And they might be older than a junior high boy. Oh, it's a, oh, it could be, okay, I won't say that one over there. But you, you know what that is, don't you? Mom! Where's the grape juice? In the refrigerator? Okay. Mom, I don't see it. Have you tried moving the milk? Oh, there it is. Maybe that's familiar. Happens all the time. But that's not what these guys were experiencing. It's my favorite type of blind. But no, they were blinded by what? Their despair. Now, I understand despair. Uh, you know, I've, I've experienced despair. I, I can get that. You know, uh, our oldest son is 25. Uh, our oldest child, I should say, is 25. Uh, when he was 23, we got the shocking news that he was going to have open heart surgery. Now, that's not where it all began. All the way back in 1991, we were expecting our first child. And not too long after that, we lost our first child. A year later to the day, almost, we were expecting again. And about a year later, we almost lost that child. That was Austin. But through, you know, great medicine, great, great doctors, uh, timely action, and of course, God's hand, Austin arrived in April 
15th, tax day. <laughs> County Band Festival Day, and I'm hosting. It was a long labor. It took days to get through this. So exhausted, she was passed out. I went home. We lived in a two-story townhouse in, in Shelbyville, Indiana. And I went up to the second floor. That's where our bedroom was. And I went to sleep. And I hear a banging on the window. And I open up the window. And there's a police officer on the balcony outside of the second-story window. Because I was so exhausted, I said, nobody's going to have my sleep. And I took the phone off the hook. And they said, you need to come to the hospital now. So I went to the hospital, and I got there. There's Austin being wheeled out into an ambulance, being transferred to Riley Hospital in Indianapolis. He was born with what they call pulmonary atresia. Uh, one of his pulmonary valves, his ventricle didn't develop properly. And in essence, to let you understand if you're not a, a doctor or a nurse, he, he grew up basically only had three functioning chambers in his heart. And uh, so here I am at Riley Hospital all by myself. Uh, she's still recovering. And no, didn't despair there. Believe it or not, through all that. And he had two heart procedures during that time. And some other things done as well. We spent, spent a month at that hospital so he could get strength and gain weight. Finally got to go home. Here we are with this child that we have no idea what the future is going to be, what he could do, what he can't do. But that wasn't the despair part, believe it or not, all the way through this. We went through 20 solid years of great checkups, going there every year to Riley Hospital, one year after another. When he was 23, we took both of our uh, children out to the Rocky Mountains and we hiked at altitude, 9,000 feet plus, 10,000 feet plus. It was so uh, rugged in a couple of instances, Deneen said, you know, I'm going to wait here. And Austin and Khan decided they would go up to a glacial lake that's over 10,000 feet up. We hiked miles those days. It was two months later that switching cardiologists, he wanted to do an echocardio, an echo, wasn't it? MRI, I'm sorry, I keep getting them confused. They wanted to do an MRI on Austin, and they did one, and lo and behold, they said, you know, uh, we don't like the looks of this. Um, we're, he's going to have to have surgery. And so here we are in December at Riley Hospital, Yes, at age 23, they still have me there. And uh, they're going to open up his chest again. Don't know the extent of what is going to happen. Just know that. And the interesting thing, if I get through this without crying, this will be shocking because I never have been able to. When you spend time in the room preparing to go to surgery, and they take you out and you can walk with them. They take you this long hallway. There's a red line on the floor. You can walk to that red line. But after that, you can go no further. We watched our child 
what? Down that hallway, right out those doors. He turned to the left, and he disappeared. Thought maybe we'd never see him again. But believe it or not, even though I'm crying and everything else, it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life. But, you know, it sounds like it, but I didn't lose despair. Because through that whole time, I was able to keep my eyes on Jesus. And how? Because he gave me a helper. A grand helper. And we held on to each other tight. And we were surrounded by loved ones, family members who came in. We didn't think some of them could, able be, could be there. We had friends arrive at the hospital and share that moment with us. And we knew we had prayers from everywhere. And even the doctor came out later and he said, well, it was a little rougher than we thought. We had to take uh, one of his valves out and replace it with a titanium heart valve. And his uh, pulmonary artery was three times the size it should be. And he actually showed us what they placed inside of him. He brought it out to show what they did. And even during that, did not despair. It was amazing. Now, I, I, I sound like, boy, you must be strong. You must be like Job, and you must like, be like Paul. And no, I, I won't put myself on that level because I can share more for other things. But the thing that kept us, I know for sure it kept me going, was keeping my eyes on Jesus. Because I knew, no matter what, everything was going to turn out the way it should. It was going to be according to his will and according to his plan. And there was no reason, no reason to give in to despair because I kept my eyes on Jesus. Now, I'm not faulting, I'm not upset at these guys, because I can see how easy it could be to fall into that. These are good men. You know, Jesus said to them, he noticed they were sad. He could have said, hey, here I am. But he had some other plan in mind. He goes, why are you so sad? And these guys, he looked at him and said, where have you been? What's going on? Don't you know? And they explained everything. That, you know, here he is. This guy was a prophet, mighty indeed. All the miracles that he had done raised people from the dead. That's some powerful stuff. All the things that he'd done. They heard his word. He was powerful in word, but before God. He, he confounded the, 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 the leaders of the church and that day. He had them stumped at every turn. Surely this had to be Christ. This had to be the Messiah. And they went and they talked about all these things. They even, they, they even talked about the crucifixion and, 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 
and their hopes and how they were kind of dashed away. But they even recounted about how Mary and the other women went to the tomb and they didn't find him and how angels were there and said he's risen and they heard all that. And these are people they trusted, people that they were with. They even had some of their friends go to the tomb as well to see that. And they said, look, he's not there. Jesus even predicted his resurrection. They must have heard it. But they were lost in despair. And, and Jesus, you could just see him smiling at him, and, they, and he just smiled. He goes, oh, foolish ones. Slow of heart to believe in all that was prophesied. And he taught them and he talked with them. He walked with them on the road to Emmaus and he told them everything again that was predicted and what was supposed to happen. And, and, and surely you can see this and, and such. And they, they came close to, they were coming to their journey and Jesus said, I've, I've, I've got to travel a little bit farther. And they said, no, you can tell these were good guys. They said, it's going to be dark outside. And, and you know, it's time for you to rest. Come with us, share some dinner. And so Jesus, of course, he said, okay. Because it, it was all about his plan. And he sat with them. And he shared the elements with them. And when he did that, their eyes were open. They could see, they could see Jesus again. He let them work through that despair. And he reminded them, and he said to them, he just reminded them, guys, here I am. I'm everything that you wanted. Here I am. And they saw it and they rejoiced. And then, you know, later on they went back to the disciples and told them what happened. It was amazing. But all they just had to do was keep their eyes on Jesus. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. But you know what? He was right there with them, wasn't he? All through that despair. Just waiting. Just waiting for that moment. Reach out. Take their hand. And say, here, here I am. Walk with me. Well, that's not the only type, type of blind you can run into. Back in Psalm 139, David, a great man of God, beloved by God, wrote this psalm. And he said, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have known my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path. In other words, you understand where I'm going. You know where I'm headed. See, I, you know, uh, there, there are people out in this world who think they're too far gone for Christ to reach them. It doesn't matter. I, I, I'm here to tell you, it, it's interesting, but there are. They, they've done things in their lives that are really horrible. They've given their lives over to chemicals, whether it's drugs or alcohol. They've murdered innocents. They've used their bodies in ways they shouldn't. I call that too far gone blind. They think they're too far, they're, they're so far beyond how could God ever reach them? But I have to tell you, look, if you look in verse seven, it says, 
where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And I have news that's great for all those people. No matter where you're at, no matter how low you think you've gone, no matter how, how far away, you can't, you can't escape him. He's there. And he holds out his hand and he says, come with me and walk with me. Well, my final blind of the day, you can find it over in, Ma uh, in Matthew. It's under the Great Commission. And Jesus was instructing his disciples, giving his final instructions. But in his final instructions, what was the last thing he said to them? You didn't know there was a quiz, did you? All right. I'm a teacher, I'm sorry. Um, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. See, I call this alone blind. I'm not talking just about shut-ins and widows. And that's what we think of many times about being alone. You know? And... And there's a lot of churches who do a great job of reaching out to those people and including them. You know, my, my father, it's been 14 years now since my mother passed away. He's 77 years old. She died at 59. They thought they'd have all this time together waiting for my mom to retire, and they would spend all this time together, and that didn't happen. But I know my father today, he got up, and the first thing he did this morning is he rode his bicycle at 77. And then he went to church this morning, spend that time with Jesus there in the house of the Lord. Tonight, he'll probably have dinner with my brother. Thank goodness, I believe my brother was put there to help him through this time for all these years. And, and we visit my dad as often as we can. And it doesn't seem like he's alone. And I'm really thinking that is Jesus helping him keep his, you know, his eyes on that, really. And it, and it could be, because my father's not a gregarious, outgoing individual. He's very much to himself. He would rather spend time by himself than anywhere else. And I'm hoping, and I believe, because it seems like there's a lot of love in this church, that you reach out to those people. And we think of them, but I'm talking about, I, I'm talking about people who are surrounded. They're surrounded by all kinds of folk. Beloved. And they're still alone. One of the things I think of, I think of you know, I, every time I think of that, I think of Robin Williams. Funniest man alive, some people would say. He was the best spontaneous comedian I've ever seen. But what happened to him? 
He was surrounded by adoring public. People fall out of it. What happened? You can be surrounded by a lot of accolades and be very famous and still be alone. I understand that. I don't know how many times that Jesus spoke to me and he would say, Brian, your life is a gift. I know it is. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for telling me. Because there's a lot of folks that are surrounded by all kinds of people and adored and loved, but they find themselves alone. I think about ministers a lot. Where do the ministers get to go? It's hard for them to open up to their congregation. Where do the spouses of those ministers go? It's hard. It's hard enough to be the spouse of the band director. <laughs> She'll tell you. And I tell you, there, and I'll let you know, but there's this great community. Speaking of that, I belong to this community. It's called the Burning Hearts Emmaus Community. And it's a fantastic place to reinforce your walk with Jesus or to strengthen it or discover it, to remove that line that maybe is in your life. I went on that walk. Last fall. And I got to discover my joy again. People see me all the time. I was smiling. I was a happy guy. I'm really, you know, people say, boy, you're really good at what you do. At least they tell me I am. And I love what I do. But something was missing. I was serving God. I have a wonderful wife. I have brilliant children. I have a brand new daughter-in-law. Oh, there's so many things to be happy about, but something was missing. And I went on that walk, and Jesus opened my eyes, and he said, Hey, Brian, here's your joy again. Come here. It's right over here. wasn't blind to Jesus. He just said, Come this way instead of where you're going. But I'm here to tell you there's all kinds of things with this community they, you, can, you might be suffering from that blindness that I mentioned today. Maybe you just want to strengthen your walk with Jesus. Maybe you want to see the face of Jesus. And I'll tell you what, if you ever go on that walk, it'll be time well spent. I have two ladies here today that happen to serve on, 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 on the board, on the board of the Emmaus walk. And they're here today. My wife wanted is Deneen and Tammy Mushy back there. And if you're curious and you want to spend some time walking with Jesus, I encourage you to go on that walk. It is a great thing. Even if the only thing you're looking for is just having a great time away from everybody else out there in the world. And all you want to do is have some wonderful food because I guarantee it, the food is awesome. I invite you to join that walk. They have two every year, one in the fall, one in the spring. 
and I encourage you to talk to these ladies or come with me and I'll take you right to to learn more about it. May the Lord God bless you all and thank you for letting me share his word with you.